The Solid 7 Podcast is fueled by Jocko Go. Engineered for anyone who wants to get after it in life, pre-meeting, pre-testing, pre-negotiation, or pre-mission. If you're looking for an extra cognitive or physical edge, Jocko Go is your force multiplier. With 95 milligrams of caffeine and zero sugar, the keto-friendly Jocko Go will give you a physical and cognitive boost without the crash that you experience with average energy drinks. Visit JockoFuel.com today, and you can use our promo code SOLID7, that's S-O-L-I-D-7, to get 10% off your order. Get on the path and get after it. Oh, and because lawyers exist, these statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration, and this product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This episode of the Solid 7 Podcast is brought to you by Hit and Skins. Hit and Skins is Central Florida's premier custom branding company, offering high-quality custom apparel, design, signage, vehicle wraps, and much more. With over 15 years of experience, they have the expertise to take your project from concept to finished product. And their exceptional service and attention to detail mean your project will turn out just like you imagined or better. Visit hittenskins.com today. That's H-I-T-T-N-S-K-I-N-S.com. And let them get to work on the branding you deserve. The Solid 7 Podcast is a proud affiliate of GORUCK. GORUCK designs and builds the toughest gear on the planet, tested and proven at thousands of GORUCK events held all over the world and led by current and former Special Forces combat veterans. The GORUCK brand stands for Building Better Americans, the Special Forces way of life, and a life-or-death approach to building the world's toughest gear. Visit Solid7Podcast.com and click on the GORUCK link to learn more about their gear and events and a portion of every purchase and every event registration you make will go to support us here at the Solid 7 Podcast. Right? Doesn't this make you want a podcast? Uh, people have asked me to do to make a podcast. I'm like, no. You, I mean, at the risk of sounding like Joe Rogan or Tim Ferriss, you totally should yeah. start a podcast. What would I talk about? What, whatever. I mean, you just speak and present. I do have some pretty Super funny well. stories. I've got good stories. I got stories for days. Stories that you haven't heard on podcasts yet. See, until now, until right. the Solid Seven podcast. Until this is we're today. gonna do. A, I, I like this. I like this soft intro. We're just gonna we're just gonna roll with it. So, <laughs> this is of course a Solid Seven podcast, a better than average podcast. If I do say so myself, and I do, we're not a show about nothing, but we're also not a show about any one thing. Each week, we get together, talk about whatever's going on in the world that interests us. Often we bring a guest along, and this week we have a doozy for you. None other than the uh, Sarah Wilkinson here with us, gold star uh, widow to Navy SEAL Chad Wilkinson, founder of the Step Up Foundation, which we've talked about on here a lot, and president, founder and president. It's a cooler title than if you only had one or the other, so welcome. Thank you. Thanks, Gail. Thanks for having me. It's always funny when uh, we're kind of like on the road like this, because I'm like, I'm welcoming you to your sister's. House. Breakfast nook. Yeah. yeah. So welcome to this place that does not belong to me. Or me. Yeah. It's great. But the podcast is mine. And so. True. Welcome and it's to a pretty podcast. view. No, this has been, uh, a, I would say a long time coming on our side, which probably isn't on your radar, but I'm going to give you the background of how, how we got here. We'll talk about how you got here, which is why people will listen. But, um, so we're big fans of GORUCK at the Solid 7 podcast. We're GORUCK affiliates, which we're very proud of. And uh, back in November, we had kind of put out as a challenge to our listeners to come and join us for a 12-mile star course, right? So we were doing, we had picked the date, we're doing it in Jacksonville. And just like, just because, like, I believe in the big ask, because what are, like, people are going to say no? Okay, big deal. So I reached out just to, like, customer support at GORUCK. I'm like, hey, we're, I've got a little podcast, here's the link, we're going to do a star course in Jacksonville. Would love to have, like, a promo code if we could do that. 
And of course, like, you know, go wreck this point. They're like, yeah, no, no factor. So hooked us right up with the promo code. And so we're, we're pushing that. And I'm like, okay, well, I'll ask for the next thing, which is, I'm like, you know, if anybody at, at HQ, like I'm thinking somebody from scars, maybe a, a cadre who's bored. If anybody wants to come on the podcast and help promote and talk about what go Ruck is, we'd, we'd love to do that. So they reach back out. They're like, well, how about Emily McCarthy? You know, like they're explaining Emily to me. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know who Emily is. Bless you. I'm going to try and get ahead I'm of it. Totally, yeah. Try and get ahead you of it. totally jacked it from me too. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so I'm trying to play it cool. I'm like, yeah, I mean, it'd be, it'd be nice to have Emily on inside. I'm freaking out. Oh, still trying. Sorry. <laughs> this is, this is podcasting real life. Yeah. People. I have to sneeze super bad. Yeah. Did you realize who Emily was? I, whoa. So I had been, this was like last year. Okay. And I've been a fan of Go Ruck since I think it was like 20, it was very early on. We, we've talked about it in the podcast with them, like 2011, maybe I okay. found them because of like a write up on Art of Manliness or ITS Tactical or something like that. So I'd been a fanboy for, for a long time. So I knew exactly who Emily was and how, mm. how cool. So I'm just trying to be like, yeah, okay, let's work that out. But inside I'm like, holy crap. <laughs> Clearly you guys haven't looked into the podcast or you would not be offering uh, Emily to us. But so we're sitting down recording with Emily. Of course, she's amazing and gracious yeah. and a blast. And it's quite possibly the best episode we've had of the podcast. But we're sitting there and talking about it. And we wanted, we knew that Chad 1000X was on the radar and we wanted to talk about it. And so as we bring it up on the podcast remote, we're like, yeah, we, we, we really wanted to participate like at the Jacksonville, like the, the big one they were doing. Um, but we're doing Star Course that day. And Emily being Emily goes, well, why don't you just do both? <laughs> that's so, that's so what she would say. Yeah. So when, when the queen of, of go ruck says, why don't you just do both? Well, you go, Copy and that. You're, I'm sitting in the champagne room. I'm in their headquarters. I'm like, all right, I, I guess we're doing both. Yeah. So I, I came today. I told you like I was, I'm always a little leery of like wearing the band shirt to the concert, but I'm mm-hmm. wearing my Chad 1000X t-shirt today. Cause we did do it, but I don't wear my patch because when I say we scaled, boy, did we scale. So there, is, there were eight of us, eight listeners and, and friends and stuff that were going to do um, the star course, but five of us went early to yeah. knock out Chad in advance. And so, like, none of us were super trained up. Like, it was a pretty big range of fitness from, uh, like, uh, my buddy Mike, who's on the podcast a lot at the top of that pyramid, and, you know, me literally the wide base at the bottom. So we used varying heights, weights we were slick at various times when we went into it thinking well there's five of us we'll do 200 step ups we're not going to get crazy right we're we're doing 12 miles after this and it was the worst weather ever uh i think you were in fort pierce that weekend so i don't know how it was down there but jacksonville was not florida weather it was 40 degrees it was raining it was, I 60 heard mile it was terrible hour yeah so we're like we're gonna split up our thousand and that'll be fine and then you get it was such a cool atmosphere because everything moved inside everybody's tight. You're side by side. You're literally bumping elbows with everybody else doing their steps. The music's pumping, you know, it's go ruck. So I think we probably either sang the national anthem or did the pledge or both before we started, like you're feeling it. So none of us are stopping at a hundred, right? So we just keep going. So I think we knocked out somewhere North of 2,500 between the five of us. Okay. But I'm just a complete weirdo about my go ruck patches. And so I'm, I'm not wearing my Chad 1000 X patch until I finish the rest of my step ups. And that is going to be November of 2022. Well, that one, no, it'll be before then. Okay. It'll be part of my prep. I'm going to finish my 500 before then. Cause November, 2022, I'm going 20 inch, 45 pounds. Okay. All thousand like yeah. on the record. You should have joined me at Sandlot. I did it. 
I know. I heard about it. I heard about it too late. <laughs> yeah. And it then, was kind of under the radar. I think we just knocked it out. Yeah. Well, and then like I heard, you know, I listened to that episode, I think prior to that of you being on the Jedberg podcast and, you know, Fran kind of issuing that. I don't even know if it's a challenge. It was probably more of a challenge for him than it was <laughs> for you. But so I had the thought, I'm like, oh, maybe she'd want to finish off my 500 while we're there. And I'm like, no, let's just sit in the AC and talk. We don't, <laughs> need, to, we don't need to rock up and, and sweat for this episode. But so that's how, so from then on, I was like, uh, you know, Go Ruck works with you and, and coordinates with you a lot. So I was, I was working with their PR person, Stevan, who's phenomenal. Love her. Um, and, and just had a baby. And it was great to, to see her like back in action at St. Lot a couple of weekends ago. So I'm like, man, I'm like, I don't want to like, that was prime time from when I sat down with Emily leading up to Chad 1000X. I told her, I'm like, if Sarah would have any free time, she's like, yeah, yeah, we can make it work. But that's such a busy time. And I'm like, put, like, put me last on the list, right? Put her in front of as many ears and eyes and whatever as possible. So then that didn't work out. And then she was on uh, maternity leave and stuff. And so when I say for us, it's been a long time coming. I've maybe teased. I'm like, I'm pretty sure on the podcast, I don't know. I don't, I've lost count of how many times I'm like, I think we're going to, I think we're going to have Sarah Wilkinson guys. Oh. So to the listeners, I wasn't listening here. Here it is. So that's, yeah. that's the path to how we got here. Now, before we, we really dig into why we're here in, in, in your story and, and you know, what's what you're doing and all that stuff. Uh, I kind of primed the pump here for you, but we are, as always here at the jog or the saw some podcast, we're fueled by Jocko go. And so you've been on the Jocko podcast. Yeah. I keep track of um, like my orbit around Jocko, right? Okay. Like Jason's been on, I'm like it's two degrees of separation. Now I'm like, I don't know if there's some math where this is like a square or something or of, of well, two Well, it's a whole degrees. six degrees of Kevin Bacon, yeah. right? That theory. So saying. you've got two, there's two of us yeah. now that so you're in contact that I'm have working, been with Jocko. I'm working closer. And so, uh, I, you know. But so I busted out. I brought Cole Jocko goes with me, okay. as one does, thinking surely you've you've had Jocko go. You've, I mean, you've been with Jocko. Kale's gonna call me out right now. Right now, he's calling me out. I have not had Jocko go or fuel or any any of that. This is your before. first Jocko go. Yeah. Um, I mean, feel free. We need to take a picture of you with your Jocko go. That well, I'm not. I'm not asking for Jocko's number. That's ridiculous <laughs> and creepy. But. Am I suggesting that you should send him a picture of it? Yes, I am. Yeah. Yes, I am. Hey, these guys at the Solid Seven Podcast. I guess it's Guy now. I haven't adapted to being solo yet. Uh, but gave me my my first Jocko go. Okay. And it's not neither of these is Jocko's flavor. He has his own. Oh, okay. He, Jocko Palmer is his. Oh. So it's like tea and lemonade is his. Oh, take. okay. Well, but that would be my jam. It's good. That it's, would be. Uh, it's Palmer because it's pomegranate. So back oh. in the day, he started his own tea. Because he likes pomegranate white tea, which is so funny. Because okay, here's this like he's just a giant muscle, right? right? To look at him and just to picture him sipping pomegranate tea, hey, is hilarious. We so, all have our things. So his take is pomegranate tea and uh, and lemonade, and it's pretty good. But the Wawa I was at today only had these two. Now I would say these are top tier. Okay. the The rating scale at the Solid Zone Podcast is that mango is best in class. Okay. There's more flavors coming, but right now, mango is tops. Okay. But for the longest time, it was between the Afterburner Orange, which is by you now, and they have a Sour Apple Sniper, which is fantastic. So you can't go wrong with any of these flavors. I think mango is the best, but you can't go wrong with either one. Okay. Well, are you going to let me drink the mango one then? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I'm going to trade you. Even, do we crack these open? We, we do crack them, and you can even drink them both if you want to try them. There Cheers. it goes. See, can you feel the freedom already coming from the can? Totally. Here. Cheers. Cheers. 
Okay. Right? Passion fruit and mango. But it's not going to make you jittery. It's not bad. It's not bad. The monk fruit throws people a little at the a beginning. A little bit. A little bit. Especially like if you drink normal soda even or like sweet tea. When you're drinking something where the sugar's not actually sugar, it's always a little. But I don't even notice that anymore. Yeah. No, it's good. Like this, if you were into push pops as a kid, which who our age didn't like a good Flintstones push pop? The best. This is a Flintstones push pop. It is, yeah. It's fantastic. All right. So. Well, thanks. But they've got pink lemonade coming and something else. I can't remember what. Oh, see? Your media team is on it today. Yeah. Like. <laughs> the, the media team is Sarah's sister who's graciously hosting <laughs> us today in her home. So. There we go. And, uh, you know, quick plug, if you two listeners want to be fueled by Jocko Go, of course, uh, hit up uh, JockoFuel.com and you can use our promo code for 10% off. No big deal. Just a gift from us to you. S-O-L-I-D-7. 10% off the whole website. It's, maybe we get a little kickback. It's, you know, it's whatever. What do you think? <laughs> so um, I've, uh, I've listened to your voice a lot over like the last week or so. Oh, like a lot of real long form podcasts. I'm like, dang, where am I going to find a, a niche? Where am I going to find the thing that nobody's hit on yet? Um, and I, I don't know. So we'll, we'll just start and see where it goes. And of course, the best place to start is always the beginning. Mm. And, uh, you know, common small talk when you meet people is always, hey, where are you from? Which is not a simple question for you. So, yeah. hey, Sarah, where are you from? <laughs> Someone asked me that. Um... At, at the Sandlot Jacks, I was out to dinner and Michael Easter, I think, said, where do you say you're from? And I said, I'm from everywhere and nowhere. Yes. Um, military kid, right? So grew up moving around my whole life. My dad was a Marine officer, so we had to move every, you know, one to three years. Um, we live mainly up and down the East Coast. I was born in North Carolina, so I can easily pull out a little bit of Southern draw. Uh-huh. Um, and North Carolina feels like a home state to yeah. me, for sure. My son was born there too. Um, but Virginia is where I live now. In Virginia, I've lived more or less the last 20 years. We had a short hiatus when we got out of the military, went to North Carolina mm-hmm. and then went to California for a little bit. But um, yeah, so it's kind of crazy that I moved all the time as a kid, really feel like a gypsy at heart, which yeah. is probably why I now have a camper van. Um your van is dope, by the it way. It is super 100% dope. 100% find Sarah on Instagram. We'll, we'll give out the hashtag because her van is freaking awesome. Willy wagon. Yeah, yeah. it's a good time. I, it's, I've heard you talk about your dad a lot, and I'd almost love to do a podcast just you talking about your dad oh. or with your dad sometime because he just sounds like such an atypical Marine. He is, yeah. He's, uh, you know, Marines kind of have this, I don't know, persona, right? The whole jar head, the high right. and tight cut. The- well, it's all Arlie Ermy, right? Like that's what you hear Marine, particularly like, you know, 20 year Arlie Ermy is, is who you picture. Yeah. Yeah. And he's, he's, he is not that. Um, he kind of considers his job in the military was just a job and he's done with that. It's not necessarily his identity, but there's definitely parts that come out. Yeah. So, um, Growing up as kids, you know, he would kind of get this stern voice and this look. It was just a look he would give you. I mean, you want to talk about stop you dead in your tracks, you get that look and you are busted. Yeah. Um, and my sister and I refer to it as, you know, you got the colonel. You got, <laughs> and then even now today, like when we get upset or have some interaction with someone, I was like, I went full colonel on him. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> but uh, now, did, I mean, did he knife hand you guys? Did you get, did the look come with? Uh... No, no, but he, you knew if you were, which, 
he was a really good, and my mom, good disciplinarians. Yeah. I don't think my sister was way worse than I was, BTW. But um, she's here. She could come defend herself. Yeah, she could, <laughs> but she'd probably back that up too. Um, yeah, but we just, he, we were just kind of guided by that parenting of, we, you know, that we wanted to make them proud of us and we could feel it when we had disappointed them. Right. And well, yeah, my dad is. It means a lot to me. Yeah. Well, and to hear somebody who had that that kind of career and retires a colonel and not be like, it's always this funny saying around the Marines, like there's no such thing as a former Marine. Like You don't ever introduce them that way. Oh, meet my dad. Yeah. <laughs> meet my dad. Yeah. Does, like he doesn't do the Marine Corps birthday? That's he always a thing nothing. with them with the cake. No, and- he doesn't do anything. And it's not that he's upset or embarrassed or yeah. anything. He just, he just walked away from that life. I mean, he joined when he was young and- you know, served all those years. And I think it's like, check the box. I'm moving on. He's, he's a happily retired guy in middle of Ohio, leading a very quiet life among like Amish country. I love it so much. So yeah. Now I want your dad on the podcast. Yeah. Um, so, so where does, where does Chad come into the picture then in all this for you? Oh, I mean, we met when we were little, so little, I was 13. Right. So Chad and I met um, as kids and it's kind of interesting cause I, and I think I've shared the story before, but really we shouldn't have met each other because his dad was Navy. My dad was Marine. Um, and then his dad ended up getting stationed. We, we were stationed on the same base, went to the same DOD high school, which no longer exists, which is kind of sad. Um, and yeah, we just met and I, even now, I mean, I think I'm just one of those people, like I know what I like and I know what I don't like Yeah, just straight away. Um, and I liked him from the minute I saw him. So. I feel like, so I've, like, that's a good, that's a story. I mean, I've heard it, I don't know, four or five times. You tell it the same way every time. That's how I know it's true. So we won't make you recount it here because everybody <laughs> can find that everywhere. But I will say this, I'm thoroughly uh, comfortable in my heterosexuality, but Chad was a dime. There's the, yes. there's this one picture of him that I that I see regularly like in articles and posts about him and the Step Up Foundation or whatever. And I don't know what time frame it's from, so maybe you can narrow it down. But I'm like, it's it's him and he's kitted up, but his hair's, you know, yeah, flowing. whatever. And he's like in front of a helicopter or something. And I'm like, oh, well, that's that's Mark Wahlberg. That's yeah. you were married to Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> you know what's funny about that is that picture. My daughter will say too, she's like, I don't like when they use that picture because that's not what he looked like. And well, I was gonna say, that's the only one where I've thought like seen that resemblance. Like he, he's a good looking dude everywhere you see him, but in that one. And I, and I never saw the Mark Wahlberg uh, resemblance until you're right, that picture starts going around and there, it was on social media at some point and multiple people in comments made that. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. And I'm like, so Mark Wahlberg, if you're listening to the Salt 7 podcast, check out this picture because you guys kind of look like brothers. Um, yeah, he was super good looking. I actually moved into, I moved houses last year, um, still in the Virginia area. And my neighbor, she's an older lady and we've kind of become friends. We do these like coffee dates. I don't oh, know, fun. Linda, I don't, I don't know how old she is, 60s, late 60s maybe, so I don't know. And, um, you know, I've uh, over time shared, shared my story and so she knows Chad and stuff, and, but that's about all she knew. And the other day I was sitting on my porch, I hadn't seen her for a few weeks for traveling and she comes over and she just has this big smile on her face. And then she looks at me and she goes, I looked up your husband on the internet. <laughs> and I just looked at her and she goes, he was gorgeous. 
<laughs> I was right, like, let's, let's calm down there, Linda. I know. I was like, well, Linda, you've spoken for, but no. Um, yeah. I mean, hopefully everyone out there, if you're married, you, you think your person's attractive, but I'll tell you what, 27 years, he still walked in the room and I was like, damn. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that, that was the story, right? Like it was very much that first time you saw him in school. Yeah. Like you were, you were done. Yeah. Which would be a cool enough story if it was just nice and clean after that and birds landing on your shoulder and right. singing, but not quite the the love story that you guys had, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there was, it was just hard. It was, and you know, we're, I'm not sitting here saying that we are much different than maybe a lot of people in the military. You know, he, he, as the world knows, he went on and went through buds and became a seal. And we dated long distance for many years. Um, as uh, I think a lot of people in the military find themselves, it is hard. It's effort. Um, and we encountered a lot of other things too. Um, you know, our daughter was born pretty sick. So she had open heart surgery when she was a baby and she, I don't think she likes when I share this story, but it is her story. And you know what? She is a ball of fire because of it. But yeah. we were young and experiencing that and deployments and everything. It's yeah. just, yeah. So uh, as I understand it, and correct me if I'm, I'm wrong here, like there was never a point when, when you knew Chad from, from when you guys met through marriage and everything else where he intended to be anything other than a SEAL. Like that was, no. that was always well, the plan. I say no, he became a SEAL. And the only other time was when we separate, I say we, he separated from the military at 10 years. So, right. He got out, yeah. he got out. Uh, and like I've, I've shared before, but you know, being raised as military kids, it's all we knew. Yeah. And I've said like, people are creatures of habit and that was our habits, what yeah. we knew. So then you go to that hole, the grass is greener on the other side and we got out and he did. And he got out and he got his like project manager certification. I don't even know if that's how you actually say it, yeah, but why not? that thing and worked in pharmaceutical research in Raleigh. And, um, he didn't do it because he's like, Oh yeah, this is going to be awesome. This is what I want to do. I yeah. definitely want to wear a suit and tie and sit at a desk behind a computer. No offense to anybody out there who does that. <laughs> but, um, it was just so extreme from yeah. what he came from. It's, it just, that's the only time he did anything different and yeah. he did it very well. I have no doubt. He, he did it very, very well because that's how Chad was. Right. And it's one of the things I love about him. Um, but as I said before, like he had the heart of a warrior and he was born to do this. Yeah. And I, I still feel that way. So what, what was it about you that wasn't um, like, I don't want to say uh, turned off. I, I mean, I, I guess you'd take it in the way that I mean it, but, like you weren't off put by that being a life goal. Like I would think particularly for like a young lady, this guy wants to, you know, go, go run around in the, in the jungle with a gun, you know, looking for bad guys. Well, yeah, I, I think people have asked me that. And, um, I fell in love with Chad before he was Chad Wilkinson, U.S. Navy SEAL. You know, yeah. I, I love Chad Wilkinson. Um, and who he was and his family. And so it, it didn't matter what he was going to go do, wherever he was, I wanted to be there. Right. Like, I don't think there's anything that could have deterred me away from wanting to be with him. Yeah. So I don't, I just don't even think I really gave it much thought. It's like, wherever you are, 
well, it's tattooed on my shoulder. Wherever you go, I go. So yeah. it's what we used to say to each other. So, yeah. And time frame here. So you guys graduated high school. It was kind of like late 90s, yeah? 94, 95. And so it wasn't straight to the military for, for Chad. He went to college he first, did. right? Yeah. And I think um, I think he went that route because originally he thought, okay, I'm going to go to college and then I'll go in and be an officer. Um, his dad was an officer in the military. His dad was a SEAL and then mm-hmm. transferred out. I think I said that. But uh, and my dad was an officer. And I think in his mind, he just thought, okay, this is going to be the most successful path for me. But he uh, went to the University of Central Florida, and at the time, if I understand correctly, Buds really wasn't taking in officers, so he could go get his degree, but they would still say, well, if you want to come in, you're going to be enlisted or whatever. So I think that kind of changed his mind, and he said, forget it, I'll just go now. So he spent, I think it was a year in college. He ended up going back and getting his degree later um, from ODU. So I was, I was actually laughing at that story on the way over. Cause of course I'm a, I'm a central Florida boy. I've been yeah. down here most of my life. And so the, the running joke around UCF for a long time, you don't hear it as much anymore because it's become such a different thing. Like it's a city yeah. now, oh. like 60,000 enrolled and whatever. But, uh, in central Florida, we've always referred to UCF as you can't finish. So if you're talking <laughs> about Chad being like, no deuces, yeah. UCF, yeah. I'll see you later. I'm like, eh, you can't finish it. Yeah. It holds up. <laughs> so, um, so then what, what year then did he, would he have been in Bud's or what Bud's, Bud's uh, class 96, was 96. I think it was April of 96, I believe he graduated. It was Bud's class 204. So it's very, um, like it's a very different military. It's very different teams mm. really at that point in time from obviously now everybody knows the SEALs. Everybody yeah. knows SEAL team six, every, you know, uh, but then not as much. It was like you had Charlie Sheen. And that was your, and maybe, maybe, which was, uh, my, not my first exposure to the seals, but when I really fell in love with what they are was reading Dick Marcinko's book, okay. uh, Rogue Warrior. Um, but so it's just super different then. So I wanted to ask that to kind of set up the time frame of like, you're talking about your daughter being born with some health issues. You guys had like the craziest three or four months, I think maybe in the history of humanity, that might be a little bit of hyperbole, but your daughter was born. If I have my timeline, right. Was it October? She was born in August or of August, 2001. Right before, that's yeah. right. So August 2001, of course, September 2001, pretty infamous. Yeah. So yeah. you've got this newborn and then 9-11 happens and you've got a husband in the teams yeah. with a newborn. Um, and, uh, you know, her, it was so crazy, which I, like, I, I don't know the right way to phrase this question, but I was listening to you tell the story about her medical issues and Chad being integral kind of to how that was caught and treated, right? I'm like, I'll, yeah. you'll, you'll do that more justice than me if you want to explain how that went down. Yeah. Yeah. So she, um, she had VSD, which is a hole in your heart, which is pretty common. At least that's what the nurse told me when I was 23 with a brand new baby. Right. Honey, this is really common. It happens all the time. And I'm like, well, I only have one baby, so it's not common to yes. me. Um, but yeah, she was born and she was super tiny and perfect and cute. And we brought her home and she just, she really wouldn't eat. We couldn't wake her up and we didn't know. We just thought this is, I guess, what new babies do. Um, but Chad started to notice that her respirations were really fast 
And we took her in for the one-week checkup, as people do. And the doctor kind of said, yep, she's good to go. And Chad said, can you listen to her respirations? What, how is it supposed to be for a baby? Because they seem really fast. Yeah. And the doctor kind of did a secondary check over, and he looked at us and said, oh, yeah, you need to go to the hospital. And so, um, yeah, and, you know, I'm not, and I'm not going to sit here and say, Chad saved her life. But she, she definitely was sick and, um, being so young parents that I think had it not been for him, we would have gone home and we would have just kind of kept, we would take baby wipes and like wipe her down to try to wake her up and stuff. And it, you know, he definitely was, was a big part of that. So, well, that's so tough too, right? If we can rabbit trail on parenting, right? We were talking before we started, like I've got a a four-year-old and a two-year-old. I talk about them on here all the time. You, you, it's parenting is just one of those weird things where you look at it from the outside and you think, I obviously I don't know everything. I don't have kids. I don't know everything about parenting, but I think I can wrap my, my brain around it. And I just don't think until you're in it, I don't think you can. I don't think it's possible. I was joking with uh, a buddy of mine the other day because, uh, you know, he was texting me one of the kids was sick. And I'm like, nobody really tells you. And, and I'm not one of these like, woe is me, like wine mom, Instagrammers, whatever. Like my kids are awesome. Parenting's great. I love it. I wouldn't trade them for a world. But at the same time, like nobody tells you that you're, you're signing up for just, uh, you know, like endless worry until one of you dies, right? Like it's- Yeah, it's, you really are allowing like your heart to walk outside of your body in yes. some sense. And I did a little thing recently and was explaining how the hardest part of parenting is wherever you are right now. Yeah. And I'll say that like for, for, for ages zero through 18 to 20, right? right? Where these people, you are really kind of their guardian. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you don't know what you don't know. So when your baby's an infant and you're not sleeping, it's really hard. Yes. But then your infant becomes a four-year-old that doesn't want that snack and only wants to drink out of the yellow cup and is, you know, frustrating, then it it's always going to bring a challenge. Like yeah. there's never an easy time. And now being almost 45 years old, however, I do not feel 45. I feel about 35 for the record. Um, and my daughter is almost 21 and my son is almost 18. And especially experiencing what we've experienced the last three years, what I can also recognize is in my own parents, the way they worry about me. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm a grown adult. I live my own life, but I think this has really opened my eyes up more to the ways in which I worry about my own children. But even as an adult, I can see how my parents still worry mm-hmm. about me. Yeah. Yeah. And it's uh, so that did that, it stuck out to me just because having just been at Sandlot Jacks, I don't know if you caught uh, Roger Sparks doing his fit talk there. I only caught like a part of it. Oh my God. Yeah. So he had, I mean, a, a little more uh, dramatic maybe, but one of his sons, like he was recovering from some serious injury where like he had lost mobility waist down mm. and he's home recovering from a surgery or something. And he was a medic like Chad, which we've kind of glazed over some of those stories are out there. So you can, yeah. you know, you can listen to Sarah on glorious professionals on Jocko podcast and uh, they, they dive in really deep on all that, but Chad's, uh, do they call it MOS for the seals? But either way, he was, he was a medic, which mm-hmm. is probably so uh, Roger was a medic as well and they bring him, I think it's his younger son and he's unresponsive and not breathing, breathing and hears him on the couch, like can't move from the waist down. And he starts doing compressions and breaths on this, this little baby, um, and ended up. So his son's got some challenges and he's, he's nonverbal and there was some, some deals with hypoxia, but just bonded them 
in a way that maybe otherwise wouldn't have been there without that experience. So it just stuck out to me. Like I just, I just wondered hearing you tell that story with Chad and your daughter, if that kind of created something special then between them, you know, she was obviously, she couldn't remember it, but just knowing that that's part of the backstory and um, the history. Well, one thing I don't think I have shared on a podcast before is that uh, Kinsley had surgery on October 30th of 2001 to repair that hole. And, you know, I definitely think it saved her life because she was, she was pretty sick. And as I said, she's recovered. She's great. And, um, but October 30th, 2018 is when I was also told Chad took his life. So when you think about how many 365 days out of the year and every October 30th, we, we would kind of celebrate it when she was little. And then as the years passed, mm-hmm. it was just more or less, I think me in my mind, I would always go back to that morning and taking her to the hospital and doing those things, waiting for the surgery to be over. Um, it was just crazy to me that October 30th, 2018 is when I was told. And then October 30th of 2019, right? So I was, it was the one year and I was really not okay. Um, And my kids were both still at home. And I remember I was going through old videos. I found like discs, like CDs, Mm -hmm. you know, when we put movies on CDs. I found this, I was up in the attic and I found this CD and it said to Sarah and Kinsley. And I was like, that's weird. And so I, put it in this like disc reader thing and was watching it on my computer. And it was probably from Chad's deployment in 2004. And he's showing me his room and like where they are talking to Kinsley and I. And then he's just like propped up on, on his elbow, lying on his bed. And he goes into like a two minute spiel about how much he loves me. And just like, I think you're so pretty and I'm so lucky to have you. And you know, I love, you know, our daughter Kinsley and like does this whole thing. Right. But what's weird to me is that I don't really remember ever seeing that. Mm -hmm. And I probably did. I mean, we're talking many years before, but why did I find it on October 30th of 2019? Yeah. So that date is, I don't want to say like triggering, but that's a big date for me. Yeah. Yeah. So, so put, then putting that all together, so it's like you you have your daughter, 9-11 hits, then you have the operation, right? And so then, there, you know, there's recovery on the backside and it's, you know, going through something like that with your kid then adds worry, right? It, it, you know, it's the constant, you know, is she healing well? Is it whatever? Yeah. So that's not done. And in the meantime, I assume Chad and the teams are like spooling up. Like it's it's go time. It's on, right? So- he was in a like a training detachment at the time because that's when yeah. he was going back to school. Okay, so, so is, that, is that when he was at Trade Debt? Yeah, okay. so he was uh, log sued Trade Debt. I don't even know what the right term is, um, but he took took that quote shore duty billet right, yeah. which means they're not deploying, and um, was going to school at night. So he would work during the day and then do his ODU classes, and yeah, that was during nine eleven as we probably all remember where yeah. we were right on that day in those times. So he was home for a while. Was that driving yeah. him crazy? Uh, or was he thankful for that? You know, I don't really know. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I think, I think he's just, if it drove him crazy, he didn't share that with me. I mean, right. I think Chad's someone, he was just so uber focused and his focus at the time was to, 
do this shore duty billet and go to school so he could finish his degree. So I think he thought he'll get there when he gets there. Yeah. So then at what point does he kind of get into that rotation of, of deployments post 9-11? Um, so he did another one. I can't remember when he left. I know Jocko was asking me all about these dates and I'm just not someone who like lived through him. Right. right? Like I had my own things going on. So it's kind of like, oh, whatever. Um, but he did do another deployment um, probably 2003, four. And that was the last one he did before we got out of the military. Cause we were pregnant with my son. So he did, I know he came home. I call Hudson our like Afghan negotiation baby because yeah. he came home from a trip and we got pregnant with Hudson. And then he did uh, his last deployment while I was pregnant with Hudson. Gotcha. So there were only a couple of combat deployments in there in that first stint. Well, to, I mean, when he's at team eight, it's like most of them are like prior nine eleven or just after. Right. And he's at team eight. It wasn't really in the thick of it until. So were those all over. like typical six months on a ship or going to train? Yeah. He only was on a ship forces. once. Thankfully it was his first <laughs> deployment, the USS Enterprise. Um, but Germany, he was over in Germany. Um, I think they were, I think they were pretty mild deployments, Yeah, but I, I don't know. And so, so then you know, as through, so through this portion of his career, uh, like where does, uh, again, a better podcaster would have a better way of introducing this, but like you're a crossfitter, right? Like yeah. you, the bug bit you. So at what point in the story kind of does that come in and, and kind of oh, take off for you? Yeah. So when we got out of the military, I moved to Raleigh. Uh, Chad had his kind of nine to five job and I was home with two little kids and I grew up, I was a swimmer and I have to pause you. Cause so I, I was on swim team at four years old in Illinois. There wasn't a class for me and swam all the, th the way through high school. So swimmers know, I need to know what your events were. A backstroker, hundred meter backstroke. Gosh, I hated backstroke. Why? Like what, what do you because hate I about yourself that really made you want to swim stroke. backstroke? I, I, see, I was a I knew it. I knew it. Hunter breaststroke was terrible. My, I, swam, I swam IM too, and I do uh, 500 free when we needed a third and nobody else wanted to swim. And I was, yeah, a I was good an IM freestyler. I, I am, I loved. I didn't hate any backstrokes, whatever. I hate fly, man. Fly is the most physically <laughs> demanding. Uh, I hate it, but man, I love Breaststroke's just great. Breaststroke is elegant. There's finesse in breaststroke. Yeah. No, not me. Just watch me do it. <laughs> and then you'll watch me backstroke. And you're like, there's some finesse in backstroke. Yeah. So, you know, I just, I was an athletic yeah. kid. Yes. I was a cheerleader, which always makes people laugh. Yeah. I did that. You don't uh, have the vibe though. I mean, I'm sure and that might offend two or three listeners, but you don't, I mean, we all know what the vibe is. You don't have. Yeah. I, you know, I don't know. So I had done sports and I thought I was fit. And Chad joined a CrossFit gym, um, must have been probably 2005, four or five, something like that. I didn't really know much about it. I remember making dinner one night and he bought some equipment and he said, come out and look at this. And I went in the garage and he did a muscle up. I didn't know what it was. And I was like, yeah, cool. And slammed the door pretty much on his face. <laughs> went back to making dinner. I don't know why. I look back, I was like, gosh, I was such a jerk. Um, <laughs> but he would, st he put me through a couple workouts in our garage and I was like, I'm fit. I don't need to do this. I'm fit. Um, but when we moved to California, I think I just wanted some sort of outlet. And so I did a drop in at CrossFit San Diego. This was like 2007. And cause I wanted to impress him. 
This is what people I think always think is funny is that for as long as I knew Chad, a lot of what I did was because I wanted to impress him and I wanted him to be proud of me because I felt so proud of him and I was impressed by him and I wanted to like reciprocate that. Um, and so anyway, I go to this workout just to tell him I did that workout thing and it instantly broke me. <laughs> and CJ Martin, who's, uh, you know, Invictus, if you heard that at the time, he leans out the door and he's like, hey, you coming back? And I spun around and I like instantly my legs ached. And I thought, he thinks he broke me. Yeah, I'm coming back. Yeah. <laughs> because if you doubt me, then I'm doing it. Yes. Um, and so that's kind of how it went. And then I joined a CrossFit gym and with no real long-term plan, it's like, I'm just a mom. I've got two little kids. I just want to work out and exercise and feel good. Right. And then organically, it kind of led me down this path of, of CrossFit. Yeah. And so we moved back to Virginia Beach and I knew I wanted to work out. The gyms really, at the time, there was really no place for my kids to be that would be safe. Mm-hmm. We outfitted a little garage. We were running like two-man heats, Chad and I. I had done my level one just to have the knowledge. And then slowly, you know, if you build it, they will come. People right. just started showing up at the garage. And so, you know, again, it wasn't in the plan. It was just like, I'm going to do this thing. And then people come and you don't want to tell them no. So you're like, yeah, let's do it. Yeah. I, it's always been a little internal joke in my head. I'm like, man, CrossFitters really love to work out around garage doors. Like you can't find a CrossFit gym or a box that doesn't have a big roll up bay door. I think it's, you know, it's just easy, simple. <laughs> we don't really want fancy. So. Yeah. Well, it's also, I mean, I live in Florida. It's also not cool or dry. Well, there is that. I'm like, can we, can we close it's, the door? Can we just, no, we can't run the AC. Okay. It's pretty hot. Suffer with a smile on your face. Oh, so. So you've got that going on. You're raising a couple of kids and you guys decide we're, we're going to try no- normal life for a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. You didn't like it. <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, uh, it was just, I think we doubted our, well, we did. We doubted ourselves getting out from the minute we got out. Mm-hmm. Um, but. I think there was that drive to create a life for our kids that was a little bit different than what we experienced, mm-hmm. even though, you know, I, I think Chad and I both liked our childhoods. We had good yeah. childhoods. We have good families. We, you know, um, but when we got out, it just, and, and two, you know, you have to realize in 2004, 2005, 2006, things are ramping up in the world overseas and, People don't try out for sports teams to sit on the bench. Yeah. They don't. They want to play. Chad didn't go through buds to be a SEAL to not play in a sense. And so I think that was probably eating at him. Um, And I've said before, like we, we made great friends in the Raleigh area. You know, Chad's family is still in that area. Many of them, um, but we just, it just wasn't for us. Yeah. So. I Hearing you tell that story on a few different podcasts, the picture in my head is always from the Incredibles. Mm. Like when the, the dad's just, you know, here he is a superhero and he's just sitting behind this yeah. desk squished into a cubicle with a suit on just hating every second of it. I'm like, I bet that's probably not yeah. far off. I, I mean, it just, 
he left for work. I, I've said this before, but he left for work, and I remember it so clearly. And he had on like a suit and a tie, and I flipped his tie, and I said, "That's dumb. We're going back." <laughs> and we'd been having this discussion, and um, so yeah, we put a sign in our yard. I think we sold our house in a couple of days. We got rid of half of what we owned. We put the other half in storage, and we were out. So, but so, th- but through all all this, so a couple of combat tours, a couple of you know regular you know pre nine eleven tours, Chad still Chad still Chad like. Yeah, so he. That's what's hard about this is like when people ask me questions. Well, I look back at things differently now yeah. than when I was actually in it, which maybe a lot of people could probably do that with their life, right? Right. Um, for the most part, he was himself. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, there was, um, he was in a helicopter crash and I think it was in 1998. It was a training. Um, and I, I think that that was kind of like the first like hit, so to speak, like the first imprint to his brain. I don't know. I don't know the best way to say that, but, uh, that it just took a long time plus all the other stuff to kind of catch up. Well, and does it, like, do you think that kind of damage, like we're talking about raising our kids, right? And you see it with the kids. Like my my daughter, my two-year-old is, she's fearless. There's no concept of pain or injury in mm-hmm. her world, right? Yeah. My, my four-year-old Foster that. M- more cost, cautious, <laughs> which is hilarious. But like Marley, she'll just climb the tallest, deepest thing and, and yeah. she'll jump to you and God help you if you're not ready to, to catch her, right? Um, but so... You know, you you see at least the air of of that. Like it kind of harkens back to like a kid that hasn't figured out what pain is yet. Yeah. You know, with these operators, you know, with a lot of the military period, you know, particularly uh, you know, combat vets and stuff. But like did that injury kind of prick that bubble of invulnerability, do you feel like? Or was it just the the hardship of it? Like I don't I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I I know, I know that I was told that a, a guy died in that crash. Um, I, as maybe a support person, forgive me, because I don't, I don't know, nor would I share details of it. But right. um, then I wonder, like, is that the first person he saw die, or had he seen someone die before? Then did that bother him? You know, I don't really know. He he didn't talk about it. Yeah. I mean, as I've said many times, quiet dude. Super quiet dude, which I really like. Quiet dude. Um, And didn't really say a lot, so I don't know. What was the the total time out in the civilian world with the rest of us? Let's see. About two and a half years. That's a good stretch. Yeah. I mean, you guys gave it the old college try. We did. We don't quit easy, you know? Wilkinson's, we we give it a go. Um, Yeah, we definitely tried, and... Like I said, he could, we could have kept doing that. Yeah. Like he had a good job, made good money. You know, we had a nice house. Our kids had friends, like everything was fine. But Chad and I have always kind of agreed that you need to like what you do yeah, because you spend a lot of time doing it. You don't have to skip off to work every single day, loving it. But most of the time you need to go in there and say, okay, this is worth it. This is worth it to me. This matters. And that's, if you look at our history and our paths that we chose, we live by that. Yeah. So. 
So what's, what's getting back in, like, it's tough enough to get to the teams. Like what's getting back to the teams? Like, was that pretty smooth? Cause I think at the time, you know, they, they were, I don't know what it would be like now, but because of the state of the world and he hadn't deployed in almost three years, he had to go back through SQT, which used to be STT. It's the right. same thing. It's a training that happens after buds. Cause even when you go through buds, you're still not quite there yet. People. Yeah. Um, so they that's why we went back out. To get, it's, correct me if I'm wrong. They don't get their try. Like, they don't outside get... normies like me. If you don't read up on it, if you don't listen to podcast stuff, you think you finish buds, you're a seal. But that's really not what it is. Like you don't get your trident then. Right. You get it after SQT. Yeah. Um, so that's why we went back out to California is to do that. And I I want to say it's about six months. And so Chad said, well, if I'm going to go back and do that, I just want to go to a West Coast team because right. I want to be able to bring my family. And that's kind of how what led us all out there. Um, what's really weird is that when I went out there and I, you know, we talked about this story a little earlier when you got here is that the kids and I flew out there and they were, you know, roughly the same ages of your kids now, like Hudson was two, I think, and Kinsley was around four, five. Um, anyway, we flew and landed at there and I checked into a hotel and they let us borrow beach toys so I could take the kids and run around the beach. And meanwhile, Chad's in a U-Haul, right? With his Red Bull and sunflower seeds and See, he needed country Bell. music and just <laughs> jamming. And I remember sitting on the beach and I remember thinking, this is going to change my life, our life, yeah. like this moment of us coming out here is going to set us on a complete new trajectory in so many ways that it did. Right. And I can't change it. Yeah. I'm not going to regret it. Um, but it, but it did. And so we were out there and, you know, as the story goes, we ended up coming back to the East coast. He ended up going to SEAL team six. I ended up opening a CrossFit gym and then selling the gym and then working for CrossFit HQ and traveling the world. And we were busy, busy people. Well, which it, that story is a funny turnaround, right? Like we don't have to go back through the whole thing, but like you guys picked up move. Like it's, we're going to go live on the West coast. Like we're going to, yeah, we're going to transplant. We're going to, we're, we're going to be based, you know, like. Well, I think we're just, that, that's just kind of how I operate. I mean, I yeah. just moved my daughter across the country twice. Yes. Um, and just, yeah, you want to do it? Let's do it. Um, kind of that no guts, no glory. I default to. So. And hey. You know, I think if you, I don't know him, but I feel like having heard you tell a story, Chad meant that. Like if, if you had asked him, be like, yeah, that's what we're doing. Yeah. But then that wasn't what you did. <laughs> In terms of what? What do you mean? Like you guys immediately, it's like, oh, hey, why don't you, why don't you come do this oh. super secret squirrel stuff? Right. Say, I know you want to be here, but instead, how about you go ahead and make that move again? Well, I mean, because I think that was always his long-term goal. Yeah. I mean, but years ago, picking him up from a deployment at eight, we went and got Mexican food while we wait for the shipping containers and all that stuff to show up. And I remember him saying, I want to go over there. Yeah. And I said, no. And Wait, so oh, over there being like damn neck. Team yeah, six. SEAL Team yeah. Six. Um, so I think that was always his long-term goal. So when the opportunity came up for him to leave West coast early and go back. I remember being in my kitchen, making some hard boiled eggs. Why? Because I do CrossFit. <laughs> <laughs> but really I was making breakfast and he came back and said, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to go to Virginia beach, you know, next week. And I'm going to do this thing. And I was like, all right. So 
yeah, it's just how it worked out. Yeah. Now I get like, I'm not, uh, I'm not prior service. I'm not like, I, I don't know. It's, it's always been in me like this. Like when I was a kid, I hear you talk about like Chad's seal posters and stuff on mm-hmm. his walls. When I was a kid, it was, it was Marine posters. Mm-hmm. And this is not my, you know, I was going to be a Marine guy. I, I hate those stories. I'm not that guy. I know everybody who is prior service hates those stories. This isn't that, but for whatever reason have just always had this reverence for service and our military and, and respect uh, and whatever. And I have no earthly idea where I was going with that thought. Totally, totally lost I mean, it. he did, he had seal pictures um, on as well, but he wanted to be a seal. Oh yeah. So, so uh, you brought me back to it. So, uh, all that. So I, like I, I read and I consume a lot. Like I just love this stuff and I'm intrigued by it. And you know, I think a lot of guys are, I don't think that's in cows. I don't think that's abnormal. So I get them mixed up, but selection for, uh, team six, which isn't team six, it's dev grew. And I think it's something else now. Like they just like to change the names to keep the mystique. I think, um, but we all know what's going on. Um, so is that, is that green team or is that SF? So it's, yeah. it's green team. Any question in your mind that he was going to make it through? Cause it's, it's not guaranteed. I mean, it's, it's a different, yeah, I'm not going to sit here and yeah. say, Oh yeah, he definitely was going to make it through. Like, I think, um, He, that was stressful time. I mean, he was, because he, he, and he's no different than a lot of them. So yeah. obviously I'm talking about Chad cause he's my husband and I'm not going to call other people out, but he was one of many men that operate this way, mm-hmm. right? Type A driven, goal oriented, super focused, very intelligent. And so, yeah, he was super focused on his goal and, um, yeah, I again, I know it might make me sound dumb, but I didn't put a lot of thought into it. Yeah. It was just like, this is what he wants to do, and I'm going to support him. So here I am. And so uh, well, I'm a good teammate, yes. okay? I'm yeah. solid, yeah. Which I would imagine a team guy like him would appreciate. Hopefully. He right? didn't really tell me much, like but that's okay. But they, you know, they love, like, they ingrain that swim buddy ethos, you know, mm-hmm. right? Like from what I've... Yeah. And so, uh, so at what point then is he... Is he at damn neck? Like at what point does he make it through? Uh, well, this was late 2008. Um, so this like through 2008. Post yeah. Bin Laden. No, before. They got Bin Laden in 2011. Was it, was it that late? May 1st, 2011. Well, now it's kind of like kind of like nine eleven, right? Those are one of those new, things. I got a whole new slew of questions, oh. Sarah, that I'll ask you once the microphones are off. Um, but uh, and so then I, I would imagine then that operational pace once he's in, this is something totally different than what you guys have experienced. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was busy. And I think I just felt like I, I'm, I'm the spouse of this person who's in this thing that's pretty important. And I just need to give him the space to do whatever it is he does. Yeah. <laughs> and, support him at home, if that makes sense to listeners. So, you know, he doesn't, he didn't come home from his day at work and we like hash out his day. Right. Right. Like maybe a lot of married couples do like, oh, I was in this meeting and this happened. Like that didn't happen. I just say, Hey, how was your day? Busy, you know, or, um, yeah, that was pretty much it. I yeah. mean, he just, you know, we didn't, he didn't share stories with me about work. So for anybody who's out there listening, I'm, I'm not gonna, I don't, I'm not gonna keep these like deep bedded secrets. Um, 
he just was a quiet professional. Yeah. And some people hate that term and some people love that term. But I mean, I do think that's how he operated. Yeah. So. How, like, how often do you, like, I think the, like, the normal seal, I, I don't even know what's normal for them anymore. Like, I have experienced it anyways. But, like, once upon a time, it was, like, 18-month workup and then six-month deployment. And that's how it used to be um, when he was over at, like, eight. Right. And then when he came over, and the cycle times change. So that's the other thing. It's, like, changing the name. Things yeah. change because the world changes. So, you know, there was four months, then there was three months. They added different squadrons in there um, because it was a really busy time. So there was no kind of, I'm not going to say there's like a standard set yeah. cycle time or rotation because it's changed quite a, quite a few times. So did you guys end up having him home more, but with less predictability or was it kind of, I mean. No, I would say he was gone more. Gone. Yeah. Because it's not just the deployments, it's all the training trips. Yeah. So just because, just because they're home from deployment, they still have to train. They have yeah. to, you know, shoot and jump and, and it, not all of that is done in Virginia beach. Yeah. Oftentimes it's not done in Virginia beach. And so, um, they're gone a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, through all the podcasts I've listened to, like one of the things that I, I haven't heard a lot and if, you know, feel free to say that's, that's their story and they can tell it, but like, what's what's the kids experience through all this? Like, how are they reacting with all of this, dealing with all this? Are they oblivious? Are they, you know? Yeah. I mean, I'll just say that my kids, um, you don't know what you don't know. And they came, when we came back over to Virginia beach, our daughter was seven and our son was five. And so, in many ways, this is the only life they know too. And, and I've, I don't know if I've shared this on a podcast, but I think it's funny. So when Hudson, our son was five, I was taking him to preschool and Chad was going to be doing stuff in the helos that day. And he said, Hey, if you see him flying over, I'm going to be up there, you know, just kind of like, which he didn't really ever say that to us, but just like, just know it's actually him, right. which we see them fly over a lot. But anyway, we're on our way to preschool and uh, I said, hey, HUD, you know, I, there's helicopters going over. I bet dad's up there. And he just goes, <sighs> and then I said, he said, so-and-so's, uh, some little girl in his class, so-and-so's dad is a cop and he has handcuffs. <laughs> and I said, Hudson, do you know what your dad does? And literally he goes like this, <sighs> he's a Navy SEAL, so unimpressed. Oh my gosh. <laughs> but- and I think I did share this story at Chad's memorial because um, for two reasons. And obviously my kids have really grown to understand like what, what that is. And obviously media has exposed all that. But at five years old, he wasn't that impressed with Chad and Chad was okay with it being that yeah. way, you know? Um, and so, yeah. So it was just uh, my kids' friends dads were seals. So where a lot of people would be like, oh, as you know, your dad's a Navy seal or something like that. It's like, what? Well, her, her dad's a seal and his dad's a seal and we go to this barbecue and we, you know, so yeah. it's, it's, I can't speak for them, nor do I want to, but, um, they just don't know anything different. Yeah. yeah. So it's, 
I lost it. To, so it's two thousand. He said two thousand eight. Then when he's really like he's well, in like the, through two thousand eight. I don't know when he officially yeah. finished Green Team. To be honest, I was opening a gym because <laughs> it's a really good idea to open your own business while your husband's going through training yeah, like that. So you guys like, didn't have much going on because we but, really like to add a lot of stress onto yeah. our and plate. Kids are easy. Like there's no demand there. It, and yeah, so. it was just like yeah, let's just do it all. Um, yeah, through two thousand eight, and then. Joined up, and that's where we were. That was our home. And so this this next part, this next stint, you know, him being operational, uh, you know, in in SEAL Team Six, it's it's just a, a different deal, right? Like I think most people, unless you'd have to avoid Navy SEALs to kind of not know what they do and what they're about at this point, right? Like that's even the joke in in SOSF, right? Like, hey, go write a book or do a movie, right? Yeah. So, um, but you know, to the the nth degree when you're tip of the spear, like those tier one guys are. So it's, it's more doors being blown open. It's more flashbangs. It's more, uh, whatever. And so, and over the course of, I mean, he, he finished the, you know, the rest of his career in, mm -hmm. in green team. Right. And in war, you know, those guys, you know, war, war times all the time for them. Right. It doesn't yeah. matter that the war is winding down. It's, you yeah. know, it's a different deal for them. Um, and it, it takes a, a toll, right? And I think, um, you know, and and I, I do want you kind of maybe to enlighten me and the listener some, right? Like I, I think some of the language around um, this issue I think is Im important, right? Like I'm libertarian, conservative guy. I think sometimes some of that stuff's a little, like word, words matter. I hate the way we're redefining words and stuff now, but I think the stigma um, around the challenges that we're seeing with our, our combat veterans and, and those who are, are still, you know, active duty, I think the language does matter, and not just in the way that the public perceives it, because I think, you know, the the public's probably as sympathetic to these challenges maybe as they as they've ever been. Mm -hmm. um, and I'd be interested to hear your take on that. But even in in the way those experiencing view it, so I say all that to say, like I think PTS, because we're really we're kind of dropping the D now, right? Like it depends on who you talk to, but yeah, yeah there's definitely a conversation there. Um, so I think that's kind of in the public lexicon and the knowledge and there's some cool treatment stuff going on there and there's some cool research going on there. And, you know, like Tim Ferriss is funding, you know, psilocybin studies and there's like really cool data coming out of that and success for that and um, ketamine treatment and stuff like that. But what, what Chad started to experience over the next decade or so and start to bring home was even a, a different layer, like a different level to those things, right? Like what... It, it was beyond that that kind of that standard experience, I feel like. Um, in terms of like his signs and symptoms of Well, even really what the what the damage was, what what the trauma was, right? Yeah, so the um you know I I wanna create a world <laughs> where especially Americans can really um give some thought into how we've even gotten here. How have we as free Americans gotten to 2022? And really take a moment to think about our years of history and military. And then now let's think about that since post 9-11, we're now 20 plus years out, our military men and women have served their entire, many of them now have served their entire career in combat. Yeah. It's like unprecedented. and. You can't, you know, the average American can sit in their Florida home by their pool and go grab Starbucks later, maybe not give it a thought. 
but really take a second to think we didn't get out of this unscathed. If anything, we are completely damaged because of it. Yeah. And it's what we refer to as invisible wounds. And for military men and women to go overseas and be in a high-stress environment for day-on, day-out, lack of sleep, shooting guns, breaching doors, shooting, you know, large weapons. I'll just generalize that. Um, Doing, whether it's hard landings in parachutes or hard landings in helicopters or even riding out in those rib boats and the pressure that puts on the body over and over. People that are doing this on the daily, especially tier one operators, that's going to do some damage. Yeah. And people are coming back from these wars and we see so many, unfortunately, um, with those physical wounds in terms of they've lost a limb. And I hiked the Grand Canyon last year with a program called Operation Canyon Rising. And it's an amazing program. And they take a small group of veterans and widows and we do rim to rim. Two of the people that were with me were um, below-the-knee amputees. Um, and I'll tell you what, if there's ever a time to not complain, it's when you were the person walking behind those veterans in right. the Grand Canyon. They were—I'm I'm just very impressed by them, and I'm grateful to call them my friends. But the difference is, is that I noticed that when we would walk around, whether before we entered the canyon or, or when we exited the canyon, that's a very visible reminder of war. And I would see people look at them and kind of, oh, you know, their eyes would get big or they'd take that moment to be like, wow, that person, that person gave something. Um, But now what we're finding is we have so many of our veterans walking around with these invisible wounds as a result of years of war, whether it's PTS, TBIs, blast wave injury, all of the above, um, they show up to your home and they drink their Jocko Go and they do the podcast or whatever, yeah. but you don't know kind of what's happening in their mind. Yeah. And I really want to bring attention to that and just take a moment and look at your veteran and think, if I could see the wounds they carry, how would I treat them? Yeah. And it's it feels like the the blast wave injury really is a gap I feel like in the both in the awareness and 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 again maybe this has changed some so feel free to correct me but uh, kind of a gap in in awareness and in kind of just the attention and the research where it's like we kind of get PTS at this point and even you know beyond the military we kind of get TBI right you can see physically like okay you know there's dent in my helmet or mm-hmm. you know there's kids sports all the way through professionals there's you know protocols for concussions and stuff. Now we get that, but you want to talk about an unseen injury blast waves. Yeah. Right. So I, is the, is the damage that that does where we're, we're talking, you know, uh, layman's understanding on my end blast wave injury, I think is, is what it sounds like when you're exposed to kind of that overpressure from whatever that is, a mortar, a roadside bomb, a, you know, all the things they're exposed to breaching the doors, you mm-hmm. know, take your pick of, of the deck. 
Um, is the damage similar to what happens in a TBI or is it completely different from when you're seeing like blunt trauma to the head? Well, so people have heard like, and again, I'm no doctor for the record. I'm just a wife who tries to read and understand this stuff. Um, CTE is people have probably heard or punch drunk in the NFL. So which our guys have had to, Chad did not have CTE. We donated his brain. Um, we see it in that like physical hit. So like I said, the NFL players, the boxers, the soccer players, but then interface astral glial scarring is what happens within the brain due to blast wave. So similar to the signs and symptoms of CTE, but looks different in the brain and you can only find it post-mortem. So I would love to see that that would change one day in the future, but I would almost... I hesitate to say this, but, you know, after I was on a couple podcasts, I, I really underestimated how many people would reach out, but so many people reached out, yeah. which was hard, <laughs> but also, you know, kind of felt like this is my calling. I mean, what, what do I do? I have to answer. Um, and so if people have spent excessive time in service and overseas and exposed to this stuff, then do yourself a service and almost assume that you've had these negative effects and do everything you can to try to like take care of yourself. Yeah. And that's easy to say, right? I can say like, hey, just like take care of yourself. And they're like, great, this girl did CrossFit and she's a trainer and she just thinks I just need to go take care of myself. It's, yeah. it's way more than that. Um, but it's, it, and it's gonna require it's going to require the people in your world. You got to lean on them. I don't know. I get kind of choked up talking about it because there's just, there's so much I want to say. Um, but we see all of our veterans, you know, they kind of lean into, not all, I don't say all. So many of our veterans that are struggling, what happens is like anybody struggling, they lean into sometimes the bad stuff, yeah. whether it's alcohol or drugs or just not even taking care of yourself or, or especially they isolate themselves, right? Because they don't feel good or about themselves or what they've done or what they've been exposed to and they want to distance it. And it's like, we need to do the opposite of all that. Yeah. <laughs> this is, uh, <laughs> I was thinking about this on the way over because I, I knew I kind of wanted to have this, this part of the conversation. And there, again, there's, there's things we're, we're glazing over in, in your story here. And part of it is just because I'm bound and determined not to cry on my own podcast. Um, so some of the parts of the story, you, you know, we'll, we'll point the listeners elsewhere. But I've, I've been curious, you know, knowing, you know, what Chad's service was, knowing what his injuries were. And this is going to sound so uh, whatever. Have you, have you seen or are you aware of the show SEAL Team? Yes. So I had seen, I've talked about it on the podcast a bunch because I fell in love with that show. And not because I'm such a SEAL fanboy. I avoided it for a long time because I'm like, CBS is going to make a show about the SEALs. <laughs> See, are they going to cast Queen Latifah in it? Like, so I'm just like, there's no way this isn't crap. And then I listened to, everybody knows his name. Again, I'm going to use his pseudonym because it's what he wants. I listened to Mark Owen on um, Jack Carr's podcast. Um, and really interesting to hear those two talk, especially like it's, it was interesting to hear him interviewed by somebody that had known him so long and, and been in the teams. But so he starts to talk about his involvement in the show. So I'm like, oh, well, maybe I'll give it a, a shot then. Maybe I'll watch it and I'm watching it. And it's, it's not complete garbage. Um, and so 
one of the storylines they start to deal with in the show is a guy who's who's out of the teams, who was who was Dev Grew, who's dealing with these issues. He's got the memory loss, he's drinking, he's and it's the the implication on the show is that it's due to like TBI and blast wave injury and that kind of thing. And because it wasn't recorded at the time of the events, like can't get help through the VA. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, ends up dying by suicide and the younger guy in the teams had befriended him and really kind of takes on this mission of, and then he's challenging the other guys like post mission, you know, they get back from an op. You really need to write that up. You really need to report it. And they're illustrating their hesitance to do that and to, you know, be the stoic team guy and, you know, and so I've wondered ever since that, cause I was already aware of, of Chad's story before I started watching the show and then knowing like he's at least in this circle of Mark Owen. Um, and you can just, you know, shake your head at me if you can't answer any of this, but I'm like, I, I wonder if, if any of this is driven by Chad, if Mark Owen knew that situation, uh, if it's just so prevalent that it's something they want addressed period. Yeah, I can't um, say it was driven by Chad. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure I know who in our group kind of might have consulted on that a little bit. Um, and yeah, I, I don't, I don't think Chad is the driving force. I mean, he's he's one of many, yeah. many Navy SEALs that have died by suicide. Um, and I, I think it's just prevalent. Um, yeah. The SEAL Team show, I I haven't, I think I've watched a small, I think Chad and I actually watched a short little blurb of it a, a, lot, a long time ago. Um, but someone, I've had many people reach out and say, hey, do you watch the show? Yeah. And I was with a girlfriend of mine whose husband is still active duty and we were laughing and we, at the same time, we both go, no, we lived it. Yes. Well, I, gonna, <laughs> I don't need to watch it. Yeah. And I was going to say, like, I really enjoy the show, but to have actually lived it, it's pro- it probably comes across hokey. It's probably like a cop watching a detective show. Well, right? we don't, I, I, mean, I say we, I mean, I can't speak for all spouses. I, I'm, I, I understand the intrigue. Yeah. Like I get it. I get why people are super just kind of fascinated by the, by the, by the guys and the culture. Yeah. Um, I think sometimes it just gets a lot bigger yeah. than it really is. And um, I, I would prefer to just keep my experience as my experience yeah. I live versus watch it play out in kind of like, not that they always make it some weird saturation thing, but I'm good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what, what has been, what is kind of cool with that show, because it's still ongoing, um, is, I mean, it's, you know, rah, rah, shoot them up. It's got its action sequences, but they do get into home life and the impact and the challenges mm-hmm. for the families and the challenges on the relationships, which I feel like is something you don't see in that genre a lot. Which, which, yeah. yeah. Like if they're going to bring attention to that stuff, then, you know, I, I, I find myself lightly kind of walking this line because I feel as though veterans mental health, which I'm not really sure I like it being called that, but it's kind of what it's referred to, um, has kind of become this like topic. It's like the topic everybody wants to kind of have a place in. And on one hand, it's like, Hey, if you're bringing attention to it, awesome. But (sighs) my friend Todd always says, don't talk about it, be about it. Yeah. I don't want to just talk about it. 
I want to be about it. Like, yeah. let's stop being reactive. Let's be proactive. And what do we need to do to take care of these people? Yeah. And so it just becomes sometimes a sticky place for me because it's so close yeah. to my life that I've lived. Right. Um, and, and all of us, all of us sur- survivors, our, our little suicide group, we all carry it differently. We all, it's, it's for each of us, it's a very different story. It's not just this one. It, well, I mean, even for my friends whose husbands were killed overseas, yeah. right? They each have their very distinct story. The same is true here. And um, so I can't say how I feel is how they all feel, but yeah, I don't know. Um, I think giving those people you know, like myself and others that have really lived this. And I said this recently to someone, we carry a currency that no one else can carry. And there's a lot of value in that. And allowing those families to speak within reason of what's comfortable for them and sharing their story is going to be the most impactful. Yeah. And so for people who are in this space talking about talking about it kind of owing that that platform to those families and and also to our people who have really struggled but are still with us thank goodness right you yeah. you have a currency and a value there right um yeah well and that's um you know it's, it's something that's um, you know, so Im- impressed me uh, with you. And I know it's not uh, about you and you wouldn't want it to be since you came onto my radar with Go Ruck, kind of picking up, uh, you know, the mantle with the, the Chad 1000X and coming alongside you with that is, uh, and like I've heard, um, you know, like Dakota Meyer talk about this kind of in, in similar terms and um, Marcus Luttrell, I've been a big fan of, like my son is named Marcus largely because of Marcus Luttrell. Oh, wow. A little bit because of Marcus Aurelius. Um, but mostly, uh, Marcus Luttrell. And again, you know, I talked about, I'm just kind of, whatever it is in me, that's always had this respect and, and reverence for, for service and, and sacrifice, but like those, those guys, and now you like so much of, of what you're, you're doing, like Dakota talks about hating his medal of honor, right? Like it represents mm-hmm. the worst day in his life. And you're constantly retelling that story. And, um, you know, Luttrell, I mean, he lost his brothers and he's, but he tells that story to honor them. Right. And so here's this, you know, it's not like we've, we've buried the lead and we don't need to get into all of it, but obviously at this point in the podcast, you guys ended up losing Chad to suicide in, mm-hmm. in 2018. Um, and I, you've told that story. I, I, don't, I don't, I don't, I, I can't ask you to tell that story right now. It's, it's out there and you can, you can go listen to it elsewhere. Like I, even the way you were notified, it, mm-hmm guts me because I'm like you just you didn't even get the the dignity of if you had lost him in in combat there wasn't that service at the door um whatever you know I'm I'm telling you things you already know but that stuff's all out there but so the the courage that it takes to to relive that and retell that story to have impact to take this massive trauma this massive negative in your life and the kid's life um you know and 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 beyond the lives that Chad impacted and say you know no one, no one would want to retell that, to relive that over and over again. No one it, can't imagine it's, it's fun, but you recognize the good that can come of it too, right? The, the impact that it can have. And so that's, 
you know, what so resonated with me about your story with what you're doing with, with the Step Up Foundation. So, um, you know, let's, let's kind of pivot to that in the good, because I, you know, I really want you to voice like, what's like, what's, what's the point? What's the goal? What do you want to see happen? What do you want to achieve with the, with the foundation and, and the other stuff you're doing? So, um, you know, you came on my work on my radar because of the workout, because of Chad 1000 X, um, which kind of finds its roots in, in before you lost Chad in life and then mm-hmm. kind of yeah. after the fact. So if you want to tell it. Well, yeah. So, um, so Chad, obviously, uh, I say, obviously, I shouldn't assume people know, but he really wanted to climb the seven summits because, you know, he didn't have enough goals in his life. <laughs> um, and he climbed Aconcagua, which is the second highest summit um, next to Everest in Argentina in January of 2018. And I haven't shied away from the fact that I 100% believe him climbing that mountain exacerbated his symptoms. I'll never know. And I would love more research to be done. And I'm trying to work on that um, in terms of just like oxygen deprivation and elevation and how that affects brain injury. But um he, because he was this overachiever, he would do a thousand, he worked up to doing a thousand box step ups and ultimately on a 20 inch box with a 45 pound pack, because he just wanted to know when he went into this climb, you know, that he wasn't going to be the guy holding up the pack. Like he could roll with people. Um, and he did it a variety of ways. I mean, he built up to it. And, um, I told the story while I did the workout, uh, with the Jedberg podcast in Jacksonville, you know, I mean, he would come in our living room and set it up while I'm cooking dinner. And often, though, he did it in our garage and he would take a projector and he would project Aconcagua on the back of our garage door. So you have to realize how focused he was. Like he's doing these step ups, looking at the mountain he's going to climb. So he's telling his brain, like, that is what I'm going to do. Like, now, is this like video of the mountain or this is just. It's a still photo. Looking, <laughs> yeah. He's just looking at this mountain. That's so freaking intense. I have pictures of it and a video on my phone of him doing the step ups with the mountain. Um, anyway, this is what he did. He went and climbed the mountain. He was successful. Um, he came in the house and he was so skinny, lost a lot of weight. And he just said, baby, that was hard. And I just never heard him say that about anything. And then he said, Denali's next. So anyway, as I talked at his memorial, I shared that story. And and that's kind of how Chad 1000X grew. It was again, not in my plan, just kind of organic fruition. I don't know. Um, and I struggled a little bit in the beginning of, of having this workout named after him. And for people who know Chad, they know how under the radar in the back of the room, he was a kind of guy like he, I just can't say it enough. It was just an attribute that I really loved about him. And so I thought I had to really have a conversation with myself of like, would he really want people to do this workout and call it Chad 1000X? I mean, first of all, he didn't like his name. He used to say, he would tease and he'd say, I mean, come on, listen to that. I'm a grown man and I've said, my name's Chad. Hey, Chad. And uh, so, so anyway, um, but you know, the more I thought about it, it's, it's, there is symbolism there because it is what he did. Yeah. Um, it's a lot of volume, but it's not technical. Really, anybody can do this workout. Yes. Anybody. Scale the box, scale the load, just do it. So there's that. And there's thinking about where your mind goes while you do a thousand step ups because it's going to take you over an hour. For anybody wondering, people always ask me, how long does it take? It takes over an hour. 
or close to an hour. Um, but then what a great representation of, you know, our, our war fighters headspace, right. Of like, where does your mind go? And what do you, in, what do you think about? And what do you replay in your head? And then the idea of we can do it side by side with a friend Mm -hmm. because you know, people like to talk for the first 200 reps, but after about three or 400, people don't talk anymore. There's yeah. no smack talking. People are just quiet. They're in their headspace. But knowing someone's there next to you doing the same thing over and over or sharing the work and doing it with a buddy, like I step up, you step up. So I started to see kind of what this could represent yeah. for our veterans. And that's that's why we want to do it around Veterans Day. So oftentimes these workouts are done on the death anniversary. Mm-hmm of the men and women that have died. And Veterans Day isn't too far past. Um, he actually died October 29th. Um, but what we want this workout to be is like symbolic for our veterans who are still here, who are still struggling, that there is this visual reminder that you can keep stepping up and that there's people around you that will help you step up. Right. Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of where it went. So then once that happened, um, I had gotten asked to speak at a couple different um, events. I spoke at the Navy SEAL Museum for Memorial Day, and I spoke down there for the muster. And uh, which that museum is amazing. It's so awesome. I can't isn't remember it? the first time I went because it's not a, a far drive from from Central yeah. Florida. If, it's worth traveling to. Period. If you're going to come see Mickey Mouse. Take a day, drive south, get some beach time in, and and hit the UDT Seal Museum in Fort Pierce. You won't regret it. And I've just watched it transform over the years. It's a world-class museum at this point. Yeah. The lifeboat from the Maersk, Alabama is there on display. Um, They've got the mock-up of uh, Bin Laden's compound in Abbottabad that was in the CBS interview there and just all kinds of Seal memorabilia. They've got a big Mark V jet boat out back now. I mean, it's just... And their muster, if you can make it in November, their muster is awesome. It's so much fun. It's cool. They have awesome demos happening. Helicopters are flying around. You know, work dogs are out getting guys in bite suits. Like it's, they do a really good job there. Um, And the the people down there are great. Is it still, uh, is it still Rick Kaiser that's running? Rick Kaiser and Grant Mann. Which mm-hmm. uh, Rick, I think, is former Dev Crew, is he not? Yeah. Yeah. He's a, I think both were, but yeah. yeah. Cool guys. Um, yeah, they, they were great and welcoming. And um, so Chad and, and, a, and a few other um, guys who have lost their lives, not all to suicide, there were some, but were honored at the wall there. Um, so I spoke. And anyway, so through this, it kind of organically kind of grew into doing a nonprofit um, again, as much of my life wasn't really in my plan. Right. But I just started to see it as if we're going to do this workout and the goal is to raise money, the money absolutely needs to go towards veterans and combating TBI, PTS, and blast wave injury. Right. And there are a ton of veteran organizations out there. Um, there are a lot of help and resources for veterans, like in the nonprofit slash private sector beyond just the VA. Mm -hmm. And, um, obviously this is where my heart space is. So 
what can I, how can I use this for good? Right. So that's kind of how we came upon the Step Up Foundation because I couldn't really see it being called anything else. Yeah. And um, that's more or less the mission is to change the narrative and change the number. And I want to explain that a little bit. So obviously I I do some public speaking, but I also, you know, really enjoy physical challenges. Like I'll be swimming the Boston Frogman June 12th um, to try to raise awareness around these issues, but also honor the lives and the legacies of the people we've lost. And Step Up Foundation also recognizes that this does not discriminate. And I'm not talking just Navy SEALs. My husband, Chad Wilkinson, was a Navy SEAL. Does that make people's ears perk up? Probably does, right? I understand that people are like, wait, what? But suicide doesn't care what branch you were in the military. It doesn't care what rank you were. It doesn't care how long you served. It doesn't care if you're male or female. And the Step Up Foundation wants to grow into honor all of those and represent all of them. Um, Am I I right in the stat that, you know, looking at uh, Global War on Terror, you know, as this little microcosm that we've we've lost more service members to suicide than we lost in combat in those two wars? So there was recently a study done, um, and I'm blanking at the moment in the newspaper it was published in, but uh, the stat was uh, a little over 7,000 were KIA since 9-11, over 30,000 were lost to suicide. Now, I will say with that statistic, it could be blurred a little in that it could also include veterans that perhaps served in Vietnam, mm-hmm. right? We're using nine, post 9-11 as that track point. However... 30,000 is a lot of people. Yeah. I mean, 7,000 is a lot of people, yeah. but 30,000 veterans took their life. Why is this not more alarming? Well, and it's just not, I think maybe there's an impetus to, to look at it as a separate thing. Like certainly there, there's people who die by suicide that haven't been in combat. Like it's a thing that happens, right? but you just, they're combat casualties. I mean, you just can't you. separate the two. Right. So change the narrative. Let's talk about that for a second. I cannot push this enough. And you just, you did it very well just now, Kale. They die by suicide. They take their life. You can choose either one of those. Nobody commits suicide. People commit murder. People commit burglary. They don't commit suicide because something else is at play. They die by suicide. I want the world to take on that message. Um, One, because... I just find it a little more respectful and there could be people that disagree and that you could be someone who has lost someone to suicide and you disagree and that's fine. You're allowed to disagree, but it also removes, um, kind of the responsibility or the blame you're putting on someone. Yeah. Um, and it, it matters to me. Like literally when people say commit suicide to me, I tense up. I, I, it takes everything I have to say, you know, I think I might just start doing that. You know, you know, that's not really what we say, but also change the narrative to just how we talk about it. Suicide is one of those interesting words, right? Because unless you've been touched by it, you, you probably don't really think about it that much. And then when you do hear someone say it again, it's an alarming word and, and people don't really know how to react. It is uncomfortable, but you know what? As I said at Sandlot, I carry it in a rucksack on my back every single day. So I get a little stronger at carrying it. Um, But let's 
talk about suicide. Let's talk about the struggle. Let's normalize it a little bit instead of making someone feel like an outsider, make them feel like it would be natural that you struggle having given your service, right? Um, And then obviously we want to change the number, which means we want to drop that number of suicides. I wanted to, I'm glad we just kind of got to organically because I wanted to to touch on the language with you because I wanted to have a real honest moment in that, again, conservative libertarian kind of guy saying died by suicide instead of committed suicide. If if that had been presented to me outside of hearing you talk about it, I would have rolled my eyes. Probably. Would have been, and, and part of it is a little bit of my, my own backstory, my own family history. It's kind of murky. It's kind of indeterminate, but Odds are better than not that my my dad, who he he passed January of 2020, but my dad's grandpa on his uh, mom's side died by suicide. Mm. Now I say it's murky one because of the the time frame, right? Um, I don't I don't I don't know what year it was. We didn't talk about it a lot in mm. the family. Like I knew I was very very close, not as much with my grandma, but with my great aunts. Like I, I, they were my original best friends, right? Mm-hmm. Loved them. So knew they they kind of grew up without their dad, knew it wasn't great circumstances, but didn't ever hear a lot about it. But I actually, after my, my grandma passed away, um, I found a, a news article clipping about it. And even that from the from the time period, it was just real vague because mm-hmm. you didn't, it was, he was found in the garage dead and had been, you know, I think out drinking with friends ahead of time. But mm. really, like you break down everything, everybody in the family knows about it, probably parked the car running mm-hmm. in the garage. Was he fall down drunk and it was an accident? I don't mm. know, but I've always resented. I hate that that story's mm. like in in the lexicon, right? Like it's looking at it, you know, before hearing you talk so much about this, I'm just like, you freaking quitter. And I look at like, especially now that I have kids, I'm like as close as I was to my great aunts. I'm like, how how dare you, mm-hmm. right? And so, you know, here's their mom in those times when women didn't work as much or whatever. And I'm like, can't imagine the struggle. I'm just mad at the dude. I'm just mad at the dude, right? And then you you hear, you know, you tell this story and talk about the change of the language around Chad. I don't need, like, I, it's hard not to feel like you know him after you hear him, you talk mm-hmm. about him so much, right? Um, but I feel comfortable stating he was no quitter. Mm-mm. Like, I... I, there's no sense that he just gave up. Yeah. Right. Like it's, it sounds like it's in him as a person and it's, it's ingrained in the teams, right? It's in the, it's in the, what do they call it a motto? But it's, I'm never out of the fight. Right. And it's, yeah. so it's, um, it, it wasn't quitting. It was just, it was, it was a battle lost. Right. Well, <laughs> this is where you get into some complicated stuff because, um, Uh, I read this book, I think I've shared this before, but suicide is just so complicated, right? It, it, there's so many questions for all of our families and we, it's, it's good that we have each other because we lean on each other and, and kind of just, because we all have those moments of weakness. Like I come on here and I talk to you and I talk about Chad and I do it because I love that man so much. And I want to honor him and I want to honor our children mm-hmm. and, and I want them to always hold their head up and, and respect him. And I think that they absolutely do, but, um, but it doesn't mean that I don't have kind of like my own demons when it comes to this. And so what I heard this author say is that the unconscious doesn't care about facts. 
And when she said that, it was like, I mean, it was just this amazing moment for me because I can sit here and say, this was, this was what he was diagnosed with. I can look back and say, okay, yeah, this was off. This was off. Oh yeah. 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 So logically my mind says, well, you know, he, he was sick and you know, all this happened. And yeah, Chad was not a quitter in anything that he did and he worked hard. And so, yeah, this is what happened. But the unconscious mind says, you know what? I am a teammate and I am about as loyal as you can get. And he never gave me the chance to help him. Yeah, He never expressed. And some of the other men had expressed, which, you know, I learned later, but it's just, he never shared with me his struggle. He never gave me the opportunity to help him. And you know what that tells me? It's, it sends a message that he didn't trust you and that he didn't want you and that he left you. And that is really hard to reconcile. And so people of course will say, oh, well, you know, that's not true that, you know, that's not true. And it's like, no, no, this is what I carry and I'm being completely vulnerable right now, but this is what I carry and that's never going to go away. Never. Yeah. So, so yeah, I think, I think that just with you, like there's always going to be unanswered stuff. Um, and there could be a lot of things that I, that I don't know that I'm never going to know. And I have to be, I mean, you know, seals have a history. There, there could be a lot of things I don't know, and I have to just be okay with it. Um, and I think, I think that's hard. Yeah, yeah. It's it's hard not to kind of send you on this hamster wheel, right? And sometimes it does, and you just you can't do anything about it. Well, and I feel like part of the hesitation around changing the language, right? It's it's such a complicated topic, and I, like what I'm, I'm hesitant to do in talking about it is like you don't want to go too far in making it sound like um, that it is perfectly excusable, or that it's an easy out, or that it is a battle that you can't win, right? Right, all Where of that. It's um, there. There are there are tools. There are ways out. You do need a battle buddy. You do need a swim buddy. But it it can it can be done. So it's like you. Yes, you want the language to to honor the victims of this thing, right? But at the same time, you don't want it to. You just, for me, I don't want somebody to take it the wrong way and go, "Oh, I, you know, I I have this going on chemically or physically or injury or whatever else," and go, "So, obviously, this this is the only option because it's not, yeah, right." So it's like finding the balance between those things of no, you're you're not alone, and this is a thing, you know. Um, you know, it's, it's death by suicide and not committing suicide. I do like I'm, I'm in, okay. uh, right. Like that's, that's right. <laughs> I'm sold. Um, but it's just not, it's not an unwinnable war. It's not an unwinnable battle. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's the hope. And I had like, I don't, did you get to meet, um, any of the, the kids or, or the coaches from the gift team while you were at Sandlot Jacks? Huh. So I, I had there, they've been really involved with Go Ruck uh, lately. It's, it's a really cool program. So it's this, um, they're the only, um, urban obstacle course racing team in the country, right? So this got birthed out of a program in downtown Orlando called New Image Youth Center. Um, and they, they've just started to uh, use like mud races and obstacle course racing to build character and build strength and teach lessons. And they have all these great mottos that they've developed through this program, but they connected 
uh, while they were on an OCR with Earl Granville. Jimmy Earl, he was out at Sandlot Jacks too. So he's the guy, he so. was doing um, like the Travis Mannion wad and he ran the O course, but he's got the amputation above the knee. Did he have you, a dog with him always? I don't know. It's so hard to tell out there. Yeah. Like obviously Jason always, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Oh, Monster's always there. Um, but I don't, I don't know if Earl had a dog or not, but they ran into uh, Earl uh, out on an O course at one point. And he had been running the O course with this giant chain on him. Uh, and in the course of running it, had found like a portion of a cinder block. So something in him's like, oh, I'll put that on the chain and I'll carry that to you. Like representative of this, of this burden. So the, you know, the background of, of Earl is that he lost his leg to a roadside bomb. And mm. I don't know if he was the only survivor of it, but I, you know, several of, of his teammates were, were lost in that. And then shortly after his twin brother died by suicide. Oh. And so he's running with this chain and doing these things and has this cinder block representative like this is, we're all carrying a burden, right? Mm -hmm. This is just this physical, you know, and it's like the rock with some weight in it, right? Yeah. It's it's this outward physical representation of this burden. So he gives the chain and the, and the block to the give team kids. It's these inner city kids out running, you know, savage race and Spartans and stuff. They're, they're awesome. And they take this, they call it Cindy. I think Cindy's been broken and replaced a few times now, but they carry it everywhere. But the idea is... Um, and what they use it to teach the kids is we're all, you guys have plenty of burden in your life. We're all carrying this burden and nobody's strong enough to carry it alone forever. You can carry it for a while, but at some point, a sufficiently heavy burden will break you mm -hmm. regardless of how strong you are. And the, the way out is to say, Hey, can you help me carry this? Mm -hmm. It's to share the weight and share the burden. And yeah. it's, um, you know, and it, it's so applicable to this issue, right? Is yeah, it's heavy. Yeah, it's tough, but you don't, you just don't have to carry it alone and it doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. You just have to open yourself up to that back. You know, I shared that I did this Grand Canyon hike and, um, Steve Conley is an ex air force guy. He's the one who started operation Canyon rising and he does it so that you, I get it confused, but I think we're on the North Rim and we, we go down into the canyon and we're there. He has a therapist with us. So we kind of talk. They do these like guided talk things where we share experiences, go down into the canyon. We spend two days at the bottom at Phantom Ranch and then we climb out on September 11th. So it's trying to represent going into the canyon is what you've been through. Being down at the canyon is like we talk and we process a lot yeah. and it's not just like, oh, we're fixed. I'm just saying it's a, it's a, it's a process. Right. Uh, and then coming out on September 11th, but because it was the 20th anniversary of 9-11, someone gave us a piece of the steel from the World Trade Center and it was really heavy. Yeah. Um, and we all took turns carrying it. So we carried it across the canyon and that's just what I thought of when you were sharing that that story. It was like so similar. And, um, you know, we've, and I just said this in my speech at Sandlot, you know, we've just, we've created this world of easy comfort and isolation. And I largely disagree with it. I mean, that could easily be, we will be our own demise yeah. if we don't find ourselves out of that. Humans need humans, period. It's kind of how we all came to be here. And so how do we keep creating a culture that, that, that cultivates that, Right. And so, you know, you mentioned you're a CrossFitter and people say, that's a cult, <laughs> like all the things. And so when you think about CrossFit, people do it because, you know, they want to exercise and be healthy, but at the, why do they stay? 
they don't stay because of their Fran time or their Murph time or their Chad 1000X time. They don't stay because they're trying to get muscle ups. They really stay, I think, because of the people. That's why you keep going to the gym. And I, I saw that largely, you know, two weeks ago at Sandlot Jacks, the Go Ruck community is the same. Yeah. People are driven to this. Yeah, they like the physical challenge and, and they want to be able to push through and earn those patches because, you know, that's their street cred yeah. and that's great. But it's really because they want to be a part of something bigger. Yeah. And I just see that over and over. And so, you know, we've talked a lot about SEALs, right? They are part of this elite community. And that is a huge problem they face, and I, I could open this up to the general military, is that when those guys separate from the military, they no longer have the quote-unquote team room, the place to go where like the guy next to them kind of knows what they've been through. Right. They don't really have to explain it. They can sit shoulder to shoulder and drink a beer. Um, and, and I think that that is so pivotal in our world is to create opportunity for people to feel as though they are part of something. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what what are the action steps? What what do we? If somebody's sitting listening, what do we what do we do? How do we uh, macro and micro? Right. Like, um, how do we support the Step Up Foundation? How do we contribute? What are the goals there? And and micro, like if you've got somebody, maybe prior service, maybe not, that's struggling with this. What how what's the right way to reach out to to maybe get somebody to open up to share that burden? You think? Yeah, let's uh, let's start with that. Yeah. Um, I there was recently a huddle put together where they put down some after action points in terms of combating, you know, suicide. And uh, one of the points was just like we have to put our seatbelt on in the car, we have to, you know, lock our guns up in safes. Kale, I've got really thick skin. It's really hard to offend me. I find a lot of offense in that statement. Yeah. Because you know what? my husband used a gun and our guns were locked up in a safe. And so as a spouse of a SEAL, you're telling me I'm supposed to take these guns that my husband purchases and fires and lock them up securely so that he can't get them from a guy who really probably knows how to pick a lock anyway. It's absurd. Yeah, It's absolutely absurd and offensive. So the obvious of combating this is, of course, you know, we want to take those general protocols of, of locking up guns, especially from children and, and et cetera. But really, I default to, and I kind of smile because we used to say this in CrossFit, but TSA rules, you see something, say something. Mm-hmm. So if you feel as though someone in your life seems a little off, you're probably not wrong. The gut is super powerful. I could go in a whole world about how we have this vagus nerve and it connects the gut and the brain. And there's a reason why you get these gut feelings, yeah. right? Own that. Um, I typically will talk about the spouse or the first responder, meaning not everybody's married, but whoever is your person in your life. If you feel like something is off on someone, it probably is and ask them. Now, here's the next step. People often think, I don't want to ask them if they thought about taking their life because that might make them think about taking their life. That statistically, research shows that's wrong. Ask them. If something really feels off or maybe they're starting to open up with you that like, yeah, I'm not feeling good. You know, I, I, I worry about this. I fear this. I, whatever it is they share, you can go as far as saying, have you thought about taking your own life? 
And I, and I want everybody to really look at that person and listen to their response Yeah. because what they say might be different than what they really, really feel. And you need to rely on that gut again. And so, uh, you know, I can tell you it's way painful being on this side of the coin and being able to look back and think, man, I should have done more. Yeah. I should have asked one more question. I didn't. Um, and so if you, you know, see something, say something. Um, and really, again, I know it sounds woo-hooey, but like let's create a world where we actually remind people that they do matter to us for no reason, right? Yeah. Hey, I was thinking about you today and whatever that dialogue looks like, it just, we need more of that. Right. Um, so that's kind of the micro level. Um, don't be afraid to insert yourself into someone's life. If, if, if that person matters to you, do it. Yeah. In terms of uh, macro and the Step Up Foundation, well, there's a lot of ways to help. I mean, you can check out our website, stepupfoundation.org. There's a donate button on there if you want to donate to our cause. Raising funds for the treatment of PTS, TBI, and blast wave injury, which is tricky, right? Because there are a lot of programs out there. And what we see are a lot of experiential programs, meaning you can go ride horses. You can play hockey. You can go sailing. You can ride dirt bikes. You, I mean, insert whatever. Yeah. There's programs out there, which is wonderful. It also shows that those are only 16% effective. 16% will take it, but it's going to offset those symptoms of PTS. Maybe it's going to relieve some stress, relieve some anxiety, give you like a timeout from your life. We all need that. Yeah. Our men and women suffering need that. So we definitely want to support those programs, but I also want to be able to support stuff that is actually creating change yeah, in the body. for sure. Um, I do serve on the board for VETS, which is Veterans Exploring Treatment Solutions, which offers plant medicine to um, veterans who have separated and or retired, does not serve as active duty, just now, to be clear. Plant medicine's coy. So are yeah. we talking psilocybin, DMT... You know, uh, there's a variety. All the Joe Rogan, Tim Ferriss buzzwords. Yeah. So, um, yeah, ayahuasca, ibogaine, ketamine, psilocybin, MDMA, 5-MeO, um, and they they we can't go. We don't have to go into it now. But uh, Amber and Marcus, who started Vets, who are also dear friends of mine, um, have have spoken in many platforms. And depending on what you're trying to get help with that the medicine kind of services you differently. So you're going to have to find what's going to work best for you. Um, And I will tell you, I haven't shied away. I am on the board. I have done plant medicine and I can tell you sitting here, Kale, I'm here today because I took it because if I hadn't taken it, I wouldn't be here. So um, I have watched single-handedly it save people's lives. Now with that being said, do I believe in it? Yes. Have I done it? Yes. Do I support it? Yes. Do I think it's for everyone? No. So I firmly respect and honor that it might not be for everyone, either just physically or or morally or ethically or however you want to put that. And, And I honor that. And so in turn, it's like, let's still try to find what are the other options out there that are treatable um, and or helpful. So as we know, many of of our men and women could probably benefit from some talk therapy because that obviously has shown improvement just in the general population as well. Friends of mine um, have started a nonprofit and made an app called Sound Off, 
and it's an anonymous platform for our veterans to speak with a clinician in their state and or a battle buddy. And um, That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, and I don't think I don't think there's enough out there about it, and yeah. I'm happy to push it. But um, SoundOff definitely needs more support. It, you know, it needs more funding to keep that going. But what a great resource for someone who's really in need, doesn't know where to reach out, maybe is a little afraid, and they can reach out anonymously. So it encrypts their data. SoundOff doesn't know who they are. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, and then, you know, with step up, like I said, I do physical challenges cause that's what I like right. to do. So last year we had just a fellow veteran and Marine run an ultra race and raise money for us. And that I think is an outlet for him and probably provided some healing, but also allowed him to do good and pay it forward. Um, Boston Frogman 5k swim in the Boston Harbor, June 12th. I swam it last year. The swim benefits the Navy SEAL Foundation. The Navy SEAL Foundation obviously has a variety of programs, mm-hmm. but they do run a, uh, a veterans health program and supporting these, these men and women. Um, so step up has 13 swimmers swimming this year. We've asked the families, six of the, of our suicide families gave us permission to honor those men. So we have two swimmers swimming for each guy. Um, and we'll raise money and then gift it back to the Navy SEAL foundation. Um, and there'll be more things in the pipeline. Um, probably 2023, I won't talk about just yet, but you know, we're always, we're always, interested in a challenge yeah. and I'm, I'm always interested in honoring those we've lost to suicide. Yeah. Who are you swimming for this year? I'm swimming for Chad actually. So, um, and the way that worked out is I have two girlfriends that have swam for Chad since the inception of Boston, which was four years ago. And, um, they're dear friends of mine and they just really love to be able to honor him in that way. And last year they kind of said, come on, come swim this. And, and I knew I wanted to swim in honor of, of someone else. I wanted to pay that forward. So last year I swam in honor of Navy SEAL Bill Mulder. His wife, Sydney, and his children are good friends of mine. And I shared a story and raised some money. So this year, as it kind of came to be, it, it just organically grew. <laughs> Seems to be a theme in my life, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, where, where someone said, well, I want to, I want to swim for someone. And I was like, oh, that's cool. We could make like a team. And then more people just kept reaching out. And so here we are. And, and because we have two swimmers for each guy, um, I just decided that I, I would swim for Chad as well. And um, I think it's going to be great. We're going to go out. The families are coming out to either watch. Some are kayaking. Some yeah. are going to sit on the sideline. Totally cool. 5K is a no joke swim. 5K is no joke. <laughs> and I got to be honest, between you and me and all your listeners, I'm way behind on my training. Um, last year, I didn't do it with fins. So it's, it is wetsuit required because it's, it's really cold. Yeah. Um, but I really wanted to do it without fins because I just assumed that you did it without, I mean, we're swimmers, yeah, yes. right? So I was like, well, no, right. Fins I are cheating. Can't use fins. Right. Yeah. Okay, Kale. This we year I'm wearing fins. Okay. okay. So I was like, fair. no fins. No judgment. Then I do this call. To be clear, I couldn't go swim a 500 <laughs> right now, let alone a 5K. So I'm 100% no judgment. I'm on this call. And then uh, Jeff, who organizes it and a dear friend of mine, he says, oh, well, half people use fins, half people don't. And I was like, What? He goes, yeah. And he's got his Boston accent, which I'm not going to do because I would be terrible. And he's like, yeah, put your fins in the kayak with your kayaker and that way if you want the fins. And I was like, no, I told myself I am doing this without fins. I'm doing it without fins. And I did, did it without fins. But this year- Fins all the way. I'm all about the fins. 
Yeah. You just need like custom branded Chad 1000X step up foundation fins. And then you're not cheating. You're, you're promoting your advertising. That's true. If somebody wants to make me some fins, that'd be cool. Um, Yeah. yeah, So it'll be great. I think, you, you know, what I've, I was talking to my sister about this the other day in, in like what the step up foundation will look like moving forward. Um, obviously there's those organizations I mentioned that I support and I'm sure there's others that will find along the way, but, but how does it grow? And, and maybe it grows into a resource for a veteran that needs help, that they can come to the step up foundation and they can help aid them in whatever type of therapy or treatment they feel like would be helpful or beneficial, you know, for, for them and their family. Um, but as I did the Boston last year, um, so let me go back a second. So, and I totally fangirled at Sandlot Jacks over Michael Easter and the comfort crisis, which you and me both. Yeah. All the ways I fangirl. <laughs> I mean, I met Tim freaking Kennedy. Give me a break. But anyways. I, so I read this book. If you guys haven't read the book, go read the book. It's a really good oh, book. It's fantastic. And uh, anyway, so I just, I just like everything about it. But in there, he talks about this concept of misogy. Did mm-hmm. you listen to his speech? Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, yeah. And so, I, you know, I'm probably not going to do it justice, but misogy is basically going after some big life challenge, almost unprepared in many ways. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, when you think if you were going to go run a marathon, you would probably run up to, you know, 22, 23, 24 miles, maybe not the full marathon, but you'd run far enough to know that on race day, you can complete the mileage. Right. What happens if you only run three miles and you're like, I'm going to go run this marathon? Well, then they call you David Goggins. (laughs) Well played. But then, you know, it's it's just that kind of feeling of like, am I going to make this? And so last year for Boston, yeah, I did train. I never swam a full 5K, but I definitely trained and I felt pretty prepared, but I'll be honest, there was a part of me, even as a swimmer and I'm, I'm comfortable swimming, I'm comfortable in, you know, open water, whatever. I was like, man, I don't know if I can do this. I mean, I literally was on that little barge about to jump in, like no guts, no glory. Let's see how this goes. And and it wasn't about me. It was about swimming for Bill and Sydney was my kayaker. And it was about honoring his life and his legacy and just doing something good for someone else. Yeah. And I did the swim and I had no idea the emotion. I get emotional talking about it, the emotion that would come over me having completed the physical challenge because it is far and yeah. it's hard, but also like have, having done it, like I, I, I did it. And, yeah. and the second rule of Masoji is don't die yes. according <laughs> to Michael Easter. <laughs> and, and I didn't die. And, yeah. and, um, and I just realized like how healing and rewarding it was for me to do something in the name of others. And that, that is, is healing. And so when I think about the swimmers that we're honoring, I really mean that we honor these guys, their life and legacy, because they're important and their stories need to be told. And they were great men and seals and fathers, but also in return what the swimmers are going to get. And, and I think some of them don't even know what they're about to get is, is you just played a small part in that person's story and that matters. Yeah. No, that's so, awesome. Yeah. Super passionate about it. <laughs> yes. As well you should be. How, where where can people support your swim if they want to? Uh, through 
Yeah, so you can support, uh, if you follow the Step Up Foundation on Instagram, we're posting the guys' stories, and I'm constantly changing the fundraising page because I honor all the swimmers. So Mm -hmm. we just posted a new swimmer today. She's also a fellow Gold Star spouse. Um, And just to give her a little kudos, um, her husband died in a kayaking accident. So the fact that she's able to go swim, I know it makes me cry, um, swim in open water, on behalf of someone else is uh, pretty brave. Yeah. So, yeah, you can support it uh, by following our links in in the Step Up Instagram, but as well as going to our website, there's a donate button there, um, and you can help us. Be great. Well, we'll we'll do it. We'll yeah. do it for sure. <laughs> so I'll say if uh, if you're not one to sit and listen to the podcast with a notepad, as I'm not, we'll we'll put links to all of this. Uh, on the podcast website, which is just solid7podcast.com. Solid number seven. Don't spell out the seven. That would have been too long a website. So we just went to the number. <laughs> um, but Chad 1000X has been on there for months and remains on there. But we'll we'll add links to everything else on there and encourage you guys to to go and check that out. And uh, we'll put links to some of the other stuff we've talked about in the in the show notes. But thank you so much for doing this, not just with us, but what you do. I mean, we, we hit on it. It's It's not easy and it is. It continues to be like you haven't lost enough. It continues to be personal sacrifice and but you know it i'm not telling you that you don't know it does matter it does make a difference it is um you know i'm always it's funny I, you know i get a little bit of uh little man syndrome but only about my podcast and i'm 5'11 just to be very clear i'm not a short man <laughs> uh, but i'm like you know the podcast is new ish and it's little and so i'm just like you know this are we worthy of the time you know, for somebody, you know, we've had, you know, now you and, you know, Jason and, and Emily and, and some just really cool people come on. Um, got a good friend of mine, Jose, who's, um, you know, he's the head of uh, all of public radio in Hawaii, mm. but he's also um, over a year now into battling an ALS diagnosis, oh. right? And it's like, is is sitting on on my podcast the best use of this person's time? But, you know, when I sit and think about it, I'm like, there's there's people that will listen to this that won't have heard Jocko or Mm -hmm. glorious professionals and who knows what they're struggling with or or with the people in their life. And so, um, you know, you guys, if you, if you want to hear more, if you want to know more, you're out there a lot, there's more to the story and you can find a lot of it in those other podcasts and, uh, absolutely follow on, you're on Instagram, the foundations on Instagram, uh, and there's more to the story, but don't just, don't just follow support would be my ask as, as the podcast host and hit those links up and, Normally, this is the point where I pitch all kinds of support for the podcast, and I just don't have it in me today. So forget (laughs) supporting the podcast. Go and support the Step Up Foundation instead. And then if you have some money left, go buy some Jocko. Go with our promo code or something. Or go (laughs) go buy a ruck. 100% go buy a ruck. And then you're ready for Chad 1000X next uh, November. Uh I'm going to say November 11th, my birthday. I have been patriotic since birth, but I don't mind you guys taking it. I'm okay with you usurping my birthday for Chad 1000X. That's... Yeah. It's acceptable. So, <laughs> but thank you so much. This was so awesome. Now I did, we normally do a little bit of a bonus yeah. for the Patreon supporters. Yeah. And you did tell me you've got a funny Chad story or two. Yeah. I've got a lot. I mean, I keep hitting the mic. I'm sorry. So, um, well, we'll, we'll, we'll close. I like to be a little okay. coy with the bonus content, but so there's good stories, but they're, they'll be over on the Patreon. So if you're curious, the link to Patreon's on the website, you can come join us. It just, it just costs a little, just a little bit. Just a little bit. So Patreon supporters, stuff coming your way. Anything you want to, anything we didn't hit on, you want to leave listeners with? No, I think that was good. We touched on all. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. We'll talk about booking the Colonel on the podcast off here. So, So, well, Sarah, thank you so much. And listeners, uh, we love you. 
and we mean it and we'll catch you next time bye